please join me in a prayer this morning. Lord God, we thank you for the times that we live in and the opportunities that we have. Help us to look at every challenge as an opportunity that you give rather than obstacles that we face and have to climb over. Thinking about what's in front of us and what we can learn and how we can operate well instead of focusing on the things that we've lost or the things that are, are being held back. Thank you for this beautiful day and for the time that we've been using differently the last four months. We pray that you will continue to make us wise so that we will be like the men of Issachar who understood the times and what it is that you wanted us to do. Lord, I pray for our congregation as we're watching this morning in homes all around the South Shore and in other states and sometimes perhaps even in other countries. And I ask that you will allow our faith to grow and our love to abound and our understanding of Jesus to go deeper in this season of life. I pray that you will continue to equip us, not just to hold on to our faith, but to live it out wherever we go day by day and to experience the joy of Christ and to take control of our, of our own spiritual development so that we get the most out of what you are giving us right now. I pray that you will deepen our understanding, and as you deepen our understanding, that you will give us a greater sense of mission. And as we carry out the mission of your gospel and of your kingdom here in this earth, we also pray that you will use us for good in the lives of other people. Lord, we pray for the children of this church, those who are growing up now and who are coming to understand uh, concepts of, about Jesus and the Bible and faith, and that you'll use all of this as a force for spiritual growth and depth and confidence in the years to come. We pray for those children of ours who have uh, gone off and are making their way in the world, and that you will strengthen some who are trying to live out their faith well. And for those who are struggling, who have maybe even set their faith aside for a season, we pray that you will put other people in their pathways that you will use the experiences that they're going through to reawaken their minds and their hearts to your profound love for them and that they will orient their lives around your truth and your word. We pray that you will never let them go and we thank you that that's one of the qualities of, of how you work in our lives. Today, give us understanding of this letter to the Philippian church that we're studying in this series. Help us to continue to recalibrate during this time so that we are ready to respond as your Spirit leads us. We pray to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. A few years ago, we took a family trip to the Grand Canyon. I don't know how many of you have ever seen the Grand Canyon or experienced that massive place. I think this was the last family vacation that our young adult daughters took with us and also with my wife's parents. To get there, we flew to Phoenix, rented a car, and then drove north for about 225 miles. Much of that journey is an uphill climb from the 1,100-foot elevation of Phoenix with its 100-degree temperatures on May 1st to the 7,000-foot elevation and 40-degree temperatures of the Grand Canyon's South Rim. On our first night there, what amazed me more than anything was how brightly the stars were shining. As we stood by a low rock wall 
overlooking the canyon's south rim that we would explore the next day, the stars shone more brightly than I had ever seen any stars shining before. Now, I, I tell you that story today because we're focusing on an important section of Paul's letter to the Philippian Christians. And in these paragraphs that Aidan just read for you, Paul is writing mostly to Christians who are younger than him, letting them know that Christians have an opportunity to shine like stars in the sky as we work out our faith in this confusing and chaotic time. So Paul was seeing this not as a time filled with obstacles, but as a time filled with opportunity. Welcome back to North River Church. In our current recalculating series, we have seen how the Apostle Paul was recalculating the priorities and methods of his ministry. Two years in house arrest was forming him to recalculate. And in the paragraphs of Scripture that we'll pour over today, we are going to see that he calls us to recalculate in our own lives so that we and the next generation of Christians that follows us will get the most out of our new life in Christ. Remember, since the middle of March, you and I have been recalculating the daily patterns of our lives. So here's the big idea, the central thought for today. Working out is essential to getting the most out of your faith. Working out is essential to getting the most out of your faith. What would the Apostle Paul say to the next gener generation of Christians today? Well, I think there are a handful of things that rise out of this section in the second chapter of his Philippian letter. The first thing I think he would say is, your new life continually needs a workout. Here's what he says in verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. What does it mean to work out your salvation? This has been for many people one of those troubling questions of Christian life. But before we get to that answer, I want you to notice something really important. This paragraph begins in verse 12 with the word therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you and I need to ask, what is that therefore? And when the sentence begins, the paragraph with the word therefore, this is a conclusion to something that has just been written before this. So the word therefore always points backward, and we need to go backward into the context to understand what he's saying. The previous paragraph was about Jesus, and it also began with a therefore. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Why did God do that for Jesus? That takes us again back to verses 6 through 8, where we read that Jesus, even though he shared equality with God the Father, gave up everything, humbled himself, and was obedient to his mission, even to the point of death, and it says, even to the point of death on a cross. This means that there was a therefore in, re in regard to Jesus, and there is a therefore for us. Jesus left heaven, and being in the presence of God the Father, he obeyed for the sake of the mission that God had given him, making possible human salvation from sin and rebellion toward God. And now the second therefore shows up in verse 12, and it means that we are called to a similar pattern as Christ followers. We are called to the same kind of mission-driven or missional obedience that we see in Jesus. Do you see the parallel and that challenge? 
we are called to missional obedience in the same way that we see obedience from Jesus during his earthly life. Now let's be clear about this command. It tells us to work out our salvation. We are, we are told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which means with great caution, with great care. We are not told to work for our salvation, but rather to work it out. Why do we have to work out our salvation? For what purpose? Perhaps an illustration would happen here. This past week, I tried to physically work out every day. Each day, I, I participated in some form of a physical exercise. One day, Sue and I went kayaking around the Hingham shipyard area, and it was a great workout for my shoulders. On other days, I worked out with thick rubber bands. I did several rounds of different kinds of push-ups. Why? Why do we put in this kind of effort when you go to the gym or when we work out in some way? For me, this was so that I would get the most out of the only body that God has given me to help me through life. To get the most out of my physical body, I have to work it out at some point. So Paul tells us in a similar way that to get the most out of your salvation, you need to work it out. The first part is missional obedience. We need to carry out our assignments. The second part is personal responsibility. Each one of us has a responsibility to take care of our own spiritual condition or our own soul in the same way that you have the physical responsibility to take care of your personal body. And then the third part requires relational sensitivity. We do this with fear and trembling, knowing that we impact other people. Again, we do not work for our salvation. That is a gift from Jesus. Our salvation or our redemption is accomplished by Christ on the cross. It is then applied when we respond to Jesus in faith and we trust him. And our salvation appears gradually in us through the behaviors of a changed life. So with human fitness, we work out in order to get the most out of our bodies. In spiritual development, we work out in order to get the most out of the new life in Christ that God gives us. Working out is essential to getting the most out of your faith. Here's the second thing Paul would tell us. As you do this, God works even more in you. So we go back to halfway through verse 12. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for, here's a reason coming up, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. Here is the great promise of our God. As you and I work out with these three parts of the workout, missional obedience, staying on task, personal responsibility, taking care of your own soul, and relational sensitivity, when we do so, we can have confidence that God works in you at the same time. The word that the Apostle Paul uses here for God's work is worth exploring. It's the Greek word energeo from which we get our English word energy. But it very specifically refers to the effective power of God whose outcome is sure and certain. There are other words that could have been used for power, but this is the effective outworking of God's desire for you and me. There's a huge upside to this promise, just as there's an upside to a physical workout. The more that you and I work out our faith with these three aspects, missional obedience and carrying out the mission, personal responsibility to take care of your own soul, 
and relational sensitivity, the fearing, trembling part, because our faith impacts others, the more we do this, then all the more you and I will see God's work in us and be reassured by that power. And there's also a downside to this promise, too. Some Christians will experience a lack of spiritual growth and a lack of power by ignoring these three factors. The missional obedience factor, the personal responsibility factor, or the relational sensitivity factor, how our faith impacts other people. Therefore, their spiritual growth process will be slower and sometimes more frustrating. But don't fear, God is still at work. Even when we begin to give up, God does not. The process will be slower, though, and the process will be more frustrating. So let's take advantage of this promise and renew our commitment to work out our faith on your own through personal prayer, reading your scriptures, your Bible, reflecting on what God is doing in your life with a group. We learn more in group Bible study and in group prayer and in community than we do sometimes alone. A third way we can do this is through the church. We learn more and grow more in the midst of the larger fellowship. It's why we long to gather again when we can do so and why we're gathering online even right now. At the same time, we are connected by the same truths and the same experiences. On your own, with a group, through the church, and in mission. Every Christian is shaped and wired for a ministry within the church and for some kind of mission to the world. Please, in the midst of this COVID time, don't think that you and I are given the right and the freedom to just coast and to sit back. God wants to use us where we are, and he can actually use us even more greatly in this time if we lean into his call. Working out is essential to getting the most out of your faith. Here's a third thing that Paul would say to us based on these paragraphs of Scripture. You can shine like stars in this crazy and chaotic world of ours. We move forward with verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Notice the picture that the Apostle Paul paints for us here. He says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Let's go back to my story about seeing the stars at the Grand Canyon. Do you know why the stars seem to shine more brightly in a place like the Grand Canyon? It's not because uh, the, 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 the Grand Canyon has bigger stars than other places have. They're the same stars. But it's because the Grand Canyon does not have all of the ambient light that we see in living near major cities. And so the stars shine out more brightly in the midst of the darkness. The darker times get, the more you have a great opportunity to shine in contrast to the darkness of the world, to the darkness of the chaos around us. So let me put this in a different way. The stars shine more brightly over the canyon because there is more darkness there. And stars always shine more brightly when they are contrasted with great darkness. Whether you and I realize it or not, our Christian faith is designed by God to make us shine brightly in this world. Part of our faith workout is relational. 
to do our best to avoid arguing and grumbling. We're going to do it some, but he's saying put a check on all of that and, and when you start to dive do too deeply into that area, let the mission carry you back to where you're supposed to be. We are to work at these goals because they help us to stand out in dark times. Notice the way Paul describes the culture of his day, a warped and crooked generation. We need to unpack this a bit. Paul is not telling us to look down on our culture as if we are better than everyone else. But we also need to do some theology of culture in order to understand what he is saying and why. Back in Genesis, we are told that when God created the world, he pronounced it as good. And so our world is still good in many ways. But then in Genesis chapter 3, people rebelled against God's commands and the world began to suffer because it became fallen, just as human beings are fallen. So you and I live in a good world that nonetheless experiences this fallenness. Our world is good, yet broken at the same time. And therefore, our culture, the culture that is all around us and that impacts us, is also good, but partially broken. Yet all of it is redeemable by God. And the gospel of Jesus is a gospel of redemption at all times. So Christians are designed to shine brightly, as do the stars, not because we're better than anyone else, but because we are shaped to model what God longs to do in the life of every person on this planet. Paul is playing the role here of the elder Christian leader. And he looks at senior Christians and in effect says, as you get older, don't get weary and give up. You can shine like stars for everybody else who's watching you and your experience matters. And he encourages the next generation of young emerging Christian leaders saying, don't form a discouraging view of the world. Yes, it's dark, but you can shine like stars for all who are watching. And as you move into positions of leadership, realize that God is working in you. Working out is essential to getting the most out of your spiritual life just as it is with your physical life. And when you do, you will shine like stars in the sky. And then there's one more thing that Paul teaches us in this rather long passage that I chose for today. From verses 15 to 30, we realize that Paul is moving through a transition. We remember that he's in house arrest in Rome, and therefore he can't travel. He can't continue his city by city, town by town, home by home pattern of evangelism and church development. And so he sends. I believe that the fourth thing that God would say is that the church shines even more when young leaders are sent. Let me read to you a few of the words that come in these final verses. Partway through verse 15, it says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And then in verse 25, he adds, But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. The final portion of chapter 2 
is where Paul focuses on two of his young emerging staff members, young emerging leaders. Timothy, whom Paul describes as his son in the faith, and Epaphroditus, who was a native from the Philippian church who had been sent there to help Paul. Through this, we come to see that Paul was running a leadership development program while he was in house arrest in Rome. In effect, the Roman government was resourcing the opportunity for Paul to pour what he had learned and what he had received from Jesus into the lives of younger Christians. Timothy had accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey, and he stayed with Paul as his key assistant through his two years of house arrest in Caesarea and now through two more years of house arrest in Rome. Paul describes their friendship as a father and son relationship as Timothy is working in the gospel ministry alongside Paul. Epaphroditus was a member of the Philippian church who was entrusted with messages and with ministry from that church to the Apostle Paul. So Epaphroditus had traveled to Rome in order to check in on Paul, in order to bring some service to him. Perhaps it was food, perhaps it was clothing, but he was, the, he was part of the Philippian church's endeavor to support Paul during this challenging time. This is a significant detail because Philippi was the only church that stood out and helped Paul during this time while he was in jail. And we see the form of their help. It comes primarily in the person of this one young emerging leader, Epaphroditus. Just as the palace guard heard the gospel by being attached to to guard Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus were deeply influenced by Paul's teaching every day, and they were absorbing it, and they were getting ready to go out on their own. So now Paul was beginning the next key phase of their training, sending them out. He realized that the time was no longer right for him to keep these two young, young men with him just in order to encourage him. And so Timothy was carrying Paul's letter and was representing Paul's teaching authority as he would travel back to Philippi. Paul was in effect saying, Receive Timothy as my very own son. He represents me. When you hear him, you hear me. And even though Epaphroditus got sick and nearly died, Paul wants them to give him a hero's welcome when he returns home for being willing to risk everything for his faith in Jesus. So I have some thoughts for our younger members. There are ways that you can continue to invest in your faith and work out your faith during this time. Here's one. The Global Leadership Summit is coming up on August 6th and 7th. It's going to be all digital this year online. And it's a tremendous opportunity to become exposed to some of the best Christian thinkers of our time. It is worth you investing two days of your time. Go to the North River website, northriverchurch.org forward slash GLS 2020, and you can sign up today. And I urge you to. Here's a second way. Uh, North, North River's TLFA, which stands for the Leadership Formation Adventure, We'll have a new round in the fall. So far, over the last three years, we have taken 50 people through this. Some of those are emerging younger leaders. Some of those are people who were looking for more training, who are already involved in ministry, and they found confirmation of their gifts and and their missional direction. But this is one of the pipelines that is preparing leaders to serve in our church. And I can see what's already beginning to happen in future years. 
from TLFA, that will become one of the primary resources for us gathering young leaders and employing them into the ministry of the church. If you're looking for an opportunity that will challenge you and will work out your faith to a higher level, when the opportunity comes this fall, get involved in TLFA. Here's a third opportunity. On September 13th, we're planning North River's big event. This is our Go Team's major event of the year where often we will send 150, 250 people out to serve in local projects for that particular Sunday. So we'll have an early morning uh, church gathering and then we're going to go out on that day and we're going to get our hands dirty, trying to make a difference, trying to improve some things around here and by serving our local communities. You want to be a part of that. And I want to commend the work that has been done by another group of people that we haven't talked about for a while. About 10 years ago, there was a younger group of Christians here at North River that left us in order to plant another church. And they did that primarily by forming Grace Presbyterian Church in Hanover. Now, this was a significant part of our 20s and 30s ministry at the time. And that was a kind of a painful moment at that time because that particular group split in half, where half stayed here at North River and half longed for a slightly different kind of church. On a few of my weekends off, I've attended Grace Presbyterian at least three times over the last few years. The pastor that they brought in, Troy Albee, has become a, a really uh, terrific friend of mine, and he's a super pastor. And they are building a solid work in Hanover. I hope that we can feel the way that Paul felt about Timothy and Epaphroditus as we see the fruit of some of our younger people who've started another church uh, in the next town over and that we can celebrate their labors that are going deeper by carrying their Christian faith into new opportunities and into a new area. And we can be glad for, the, for seeing the way that God uses other people. You and I don't know what the future holds, but we do know this. Working out is essential to getting the most out of our faith. And when you and I do this, we shine like stars in a crazy and chaotic world. Let's pray. Father God, I pray very simply that you will allow us to find ways to work out our faith and that as we draw nearer and nearer to Jesus and as we dive into his mission, his kingdom gospel mission in this world, that you will allow the people of North River, young, old, and in between, to shine in contrast to the chaos that we sometimes see in this world as we are governed by your truth, as we go about the mission of Jesus' kingdom, and as we seek to make a difference as people who are daily being changed by God's love and who are therefore changing the South Shore one act at a time, one piece of the mission at a time, wherever you lead us for the sake of Jesus. May it be so in our lives today. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray these words. I want to thank you for all the ways that you are contributing financially, with your faith, with your service, with your words of encouragement to other people. Let's worship as we head towards these final moments of our morning together. God bless you.